Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis. Today we are going to be talking about how to treat sesamoiditis. So we'll be defining sesamoiditis, what is it, what causes it, um, what could it be if it's not sesamoiditis, and we're going to talk some about some of the treatment options uh, that we have to take care of this problem, and most oftentimes this can be taken care of uh, conservatively, so uh, make sure you stick with us, uh, and we will talk about all of that as soon as we hear a word from our sponsors. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A Maine doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So today's episode is probably going to be short and sweet and right to the point. Um, we're going to uh, start off with, you know, what is sesamoiditis? Now, you can have sesamoiditis in a couple different places. You need to remember that not only do you have sesamoid bones underneath your foot, but you also have one in the knee. Your patella is a sesamoid bone. Uh, but today we're talking about uh, the foot. And um, let's start with a little bit of anatomy, okay? So... In the foot, you have two sesamoid bones. They sit in the tendons of the flexor hallucis brevis, just below the first metatarsal phalangeal joint. And like the patella, they act as a pulley, you know, to help increase the leverage when the toe is being flexed. Not only can the bones become inflamed, but the surrounding tendons can become inflamed also. So it's not just a bony issue here, like a periostitis, but typically those tendons are also going to get irritated and agitated. And you can also irritate the plantar surface of that first metatarsal phalangeal joint, uh, which can be quite painful, actually. Um, there are many causes of sesamoiditis. Now, you could uh, increase your activity, especially if you're doing more uphill activity where you're putting more pressure on the forefoot, standing on your tiptoes a lot. We see this as very common in dancers. Um, and you can even see it with people who don't have a lot of fat pad under their feet or they have a real bony foot um, and there's just not a lot of cushioning there. So that bone and that tendon become really inflamed. We've seen this more and more as, uh, you know, it, when I was a kid, everybody had rugs in their houses. And now, you know, it's hardwood floors, it's ceramic tile, and it's laminate flooring, and really, really hard surfaces. And uh, so these hard surfaces can increase the agitation to the plantar surface of the foot and those sesamoid bones and tendons. 
We also see this as quite common with people who have high arches. And typically, those people have very tight calves. Don't forget, when you have a tight calf, you have a loss of dorsiflexion, and therefore, you're putting much more pressure on the metatarsals, and they're getting irritated. You're getting a little grinding effect at that first metatarsal quite often, irritating those um, sesamoid bones and the flexor tendons there. And then you can also get this from trauma. I've seen people, you know, like uh, slip on something and the, the front part of that metatarsal uh, hits into the corner of a brick or into something hard or they're standing on something and it, it's kind of sharp and something slips and that, you know, causes a real sharp pain there. And so, you know, those are, those are some of the things that can cause it. Now, what are the signs and symptoms of sesamoiditis? So typically, people will have tenderness to the plantar surface of that first metatarsal phalangeal joint. Now, be sure to check not only the plantar surface, but the whole surrounding joint. I usually try to palpate the joint medially and laterally and also dorsally because if they're tender all the way around the joint, you need to be more concerned that this is this is like an osteoarthritic joint. Um, they may have a little hallux valgus going on there, causing some irritation. They could also have gout where that toe would be you know, red and real, real sensitive to touch. But with gout, you're not just tender in the joint. You're usually tender um, proximal and distal to that joint also and there's swelling and redness associated with it and it's excruciatingly tender so usually the, uh, that pain with sesamoiditis is just on the plantar surface of the foot you can also have pain with resisted toe flexion and when you stretch the uh, metatarsal phalangeal joint into extension. And that pain has to be on the plantar surface of the foot. If it's an arthritic toe, um, you're going to get a lot of discomfort in that toe if you do extension or even passive flexion to the toe. Um, and that will be uh, something that could mask or look like a sesamoiditis. Um, it's not uncommon to develop lateral foot pain when somebody has sesamoiditis. So I have actually seen this, recently have seen this with a patient who came in with lateral foot pain just to discover through my uh, subjective questioning and, and talking to the patient that several weeks prior to the lateral foot pain, they were having discomfort in the sesamoid region. So what happens is they don't like to put pressure on that part of the foot. So they start to bear weight just on the heel and or on the lateral side of the foot. And that fifth metatarsal does not do a great job with weight distribution and it becomes sore. I've seen people stress fracture the lateral side of the foot, avoiding, you know, pain like plantar fasciitis pain or sesamoiditis pain, and uh, just put too much pressure on that lateral side of the foot so they can develop tendonitis, uh, irritation of the pronials, and that fifth metatarsal can be very, very tender and uh, cause a lot of problems. So you really want to get them back into a more normal walking pattern as soon as uh, possible. Um, and then, you know, what makes them feel better? Well, things like, you know, standing on a a nice cushy rug or uh, using a cushy shoe, something that has a nice uh, insert inside that's thick and, and absorbs a lot of shock. Now, I don't know if cushy is a real word or not, but uh, we're using cushy today. All right. So how do you treat this? Well, if there's trauma to that sesamoid area and the plantar surface of the foot, you really should get an x-ray because you can fracture those sesamoids. And I'll tell you what, they can be very, very painful. Now, if you've done some conservative treatment, which we'll talk about in a little bit, then it's not uh, uncommon to order an MRI to see if um, there is, you know, maybe an underlying fracture that was not picked up on an x-ray. 
and or if there's like a torn intersesamoid ligament, there's a little ligament between those two sesamoids. They act like a retinaculum for the flexor hallucis longus, um, and it kind of keeps it in place when it's contracting so it doesn't bowstring. And so if that uh, ligament is torn, it's extremely painful to try to plantar flex that toe, um, and uh, it will be very painful when those sesamoids separate when there's weight bearing. So Let's talk about, you know, some some straightforward sesamoiditis and how to treat it conservatively. So, number one, you have to relatively rest this, okay? So, if they are a runner and they've increased their mileage, they need to cut down on the running. Maybe do something like uh, stationary cycling. Uh, I use a Peloton and, and you know, you can put... The, the clip a little further back so it's not right on the forefoot and uh, you want to adjust those things that cause a lot of trauma there and a lot of repetitive trauma to the area. You want to avoid hard surfaces so that ceramic tile floor, hardwood floor, laminate flooring. You don't want to be on that barefooted or even in stocking feet um, and, and because that will just continue to aggravate that. I like to get people into a, some sort of cushioned footwear. You know, there's a lot of them out there now where you can just kind of, it's like a little slip-on shoe, but it has like a, you know, really cushioned inner sole. doesn't have to have a lot of arch to it, but just some cushioning can help really decrease that trauma to the area. I'm big on utilizing orthotics. I like to make custom orthotics um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, if they have a high arch, they're only distributing pressure in what we call the tripod pattern. So the heel, the fifth, the plantar surface of the fifth metatarsal distally and the uh, first metatarsal phalangeal joint where those sesamoids are. And they put a lot of pressure there and it caused a lot of irritation. So if you can make an orthotic that supports that arch, they're not always weight bearing so much on the uh, metatarsal. So that can take a little bit of pressure off. But then what I like to do is use a little metatarsal bar that sits just behind the first metatarsal phalangeal joint and puts pressure through the shaft of the bone and not through the joint and not through the uh, sesamoids. And therefore that acts like a little cliff. So when you're in the terminal stance phase of gait, you know, uh, stance phase to terminal stance phase of gait, that first metatarsal is not striking the floor so hard, not causing so much irritation. And then what I do is I make a soft depression, a nice little depression where that where those sesamoids would normally hit on an orthotic or on the bottom of the shoe. And I depress that out and have a nice soft cushioned material in there. So it really does not cause a lot of irritation when they're walking. And typically these people will notice a significant difference right away when they start walking. The other thing they can start to do is they can start to walk more naturally and not have to put weight on the lateral side of the foot as much and take that pressure off there so they start to develop a more normal walking pattern so I really really love to do orthotics and in conjunction with that I almost almost never give an orthotic without giving a stretching program now this is important if your calf is tight you're going to put a lot more pressure on the forefoot I talked about this earlier and you, if you if you prescribe calf stretches, please do not have them hang off the edge of a step, okay? Because that is just going to grind that those sesamoids and irritate that flexor tendon and cause more problems, okay? So I am huge on slant board stretching, uh, and it is very important that the the pressure is back onto the heel, not into the uh, metatarsals. They're not going up on their tiptoes at all with this. They're just kind of hanging back, getting a nice calf stretch while distributing the pressure through the whole bottom of the foot. Um, if you want a link to uh, a slant board that we use, uh, I'll have that in the show notes today. 
The other thing I like to do is have people on a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory if they can stomach it, if they don't have a problem with that. We usually talk to the provider about uh, about what they uh, like to prescribe for this, and that can help decrease that inflammation. Um, if they are very, very inflamed and they just really can't put any weight on it and there's no sign of a fracture or anything like that, I might put them into a walker boot and prevent that excessive toe-off because there's usually a cam-rounded um, rocker bottom on the boot that can help them propel a little bit better and uh, take a load off of that uh, region. And the last thing I want to mention is please avoid anything with heels. And this is not just women with high-heeled shoes, but men who um, you know work in the woods or work on hard surfaces and they have a high-heeled boot um, that may be required for work. Um, that can contribute to more forefoot pressure uh, when just standing in, in, in one position. So trying to get a shoe or a boot that's a little more level on the bottom um, is very important. So with that being said, folks, that is um, the end of our program. And I would like to uh, thank you all for listening so much. And if you have any questions about uh, sesamoiditis, please uh, make sure you get in touch with me. Stay tuned for our next uh, three episodes. We're going to have some interviews. We're going to be talking about ACL injuries. We're going to be talking about blood flow restriction therapy, how to utilize it, and um, you know different training techniques that we can use. Talk about some physiology. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time with uh, with this uh, show. And uh, also uh, make sure that uh, you check out the links in the show notes. We have tons of information for you there. Um, so I want you all to take care, and uh, we will. Talk to you next week. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.